All right. How many of you are enjoying Pune's weather? Yes. Isn't it lovely? Now, some of us, again, some are getting acclimatized to this. <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, we, my brother-in-law from Vancouver. Vancouver is supposed to be a lovely place. Has been sending us pictures. Their house, the sidewalk is filled with snow. All right? And we think it's nice. But his poor wife said she had to shovel the sidewalk and get rid of all the snow. Oh no, I tell you, we don't have to do that in India. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, can you imagine going in minus whatever degrees it is and shoveling the snow off and everything is shut. There's no, nothing moving. And uh, that, that's how it is. All right. But uh, we just thank God that, you know, I think Pune has wonderful climate. And I think it's one of the, they said somewhere it was one of the 10 best places in the world where climate is or something. Yeah, yeah. I may have just made that up, I don't know. But <laughs> I remember somebody saying something like that. <laughs> All right, come. Let, let's come to God's word this morning. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that we can uh, worship the true and the living God, Lord. Lord, Lord we thank you that uh, you are with us. Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege of reading your word, Lord. And we thank you that your word has the power to change our lives, Lord, to transform us, to heal us, to save us, to deliver us. Lord, as I proclaim your word today, may your grace, may your anointing be upon me, Lord. May your Holy Spirit speak through me, Lord. Would you open our hearts and our minds? Give us understanding, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we, we've been going through a chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, which is Matthew chapter 16. We've already looked at it for two weeks and we're going to conclude this week. So Matthew chapter 16. And uh, we looked from verses 13 onwards. And uh, we, we've covered a lot of ground in the last two weeks and today we'll kind of bring it to a close. Okay, so for those who were not there last week or the year, week before, just a reminder, this is what happens. Jesus gathered his disciples and he asked them, he, has, he had done miracles, he had taught wonderful truths, and he asked them the question, who do people say the Son of Man is? And so the first thing I want to say is the greatest question, the greatest question to be ever asked is this. Who is Jesus? The greatest question. And based on that question, it will determine where you will spend eternity. And, uh, and the answer to that question can only come by revelation. In, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, G, you know, after Simon Peter had answered, he, Simon Peter had said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my Father in heaven. So the answer to the greatest question can only come through a great revelation. The most intelligent mind may not understand it, but when the Spirit of God touches a person, their eyes are open and they see Jesus for who He is, the Savior of the world. All right? And... Uh, and, and why is this question important? It's because at the end of time, 
You see, we are now 2,024 years after Christ. But at the end of time, we don't know when time will end. Either Jesus will return or we will leave this earth. But at the end of time, this is what is going to happen. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And it's so good to read the truth. We see all kinds of evil in the world. And we're going to spend a couple of minutes reading these verses. Starting at verse 7. Revelation 20 verse 7. Now one of the challenges when reading, reading Revelation is we don't understand everything. Okay, it's a bit challenging. But let's focus on what we do understand. You know, as, uh, as somebody said. Yeah, yeah. It was Mark Twain. But somebody said, you know. The Bible, it's confusing. We don't understand many things. And so Mark Twain said, it's not the things that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do understand. You know, so there are many, most of the Bible is crystal clear. So let's look at Revelation 20 verse 7. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Just to note from there, one of the things about Satan is he's known as the deceiver. He's the liar. Okay, and what he does is he deceives people into thinking something else is the truth. Aren't we seeing that all over the place? Yeah, that's what he does. He deceives people. So people think, oh, this is God, or this is right. That's what he does. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, That is the destiny of Satan and those who follow him. This is the truth. We need to know what this is. Sometimes Christians are bothered because the enemy taunts them and says, look at your past. See the things that you've done. See how you've sinned. Has that happened to you? Yeah? When we do do mess up and we do sin and we feel horrible, And what's worse is Satan reminds us of these things. And there's a very easy solution to that. When he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Do you get that? Yeah, that's the truth. This is what's going to happen to Satan. Okay? All right, let's move on. So, realize this. Satan and his demonic forces and those who follow him, they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever, and will be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. Let's move on. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. You know, when Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago, There was no place for him in the inn. But when he returns in his glory, earth and sky will disappear. There's no place for the earth and sky. 
And I saw the, verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. You know, in, in, in this, you know, I don't know about today, but a few years ago, people were crazy about film stars. You know, they saw, oh, I saw Ashwarya Rai. I saw Amir Khan or somebody like this. And, and uh, a few years ago, there was one actor. He came to, the, to SGS Mall here. And the mall was mobbed with people, all trying to get a glimpse of this actor. Okay, I don't know who your fav favorite actor or actress is, but let me tell you. One day, you'll see them all. It says there, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Okay, everybody, from kings and prime ministers and presidents, to actors and actresses, to ordinary people like us, will stand before the throne. He says, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And then it says, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. You see, today, in the courts of law, evil people can get away with murder or everything else under the sun. Because justice can be subverted. But at that day, on that judgment, nobody will be able to escape. It says, everything we have thought, spoken, done, the intentions and the motivations of our hearts will be recorded. And it says, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now think, of, think, think, think for a minute. You know, today there's so much, there's such development in technology, isn't it? AI is coming up, you know, and... Uh, you can do all sorts of things. Now imagine if they came up with an app that could show you what your thoughts were for the last 20, seven days. Okay? And we could display it on the screen here. Okay? I've got a trial version of it. Anybody like to volunteer? <laughs> you see? Because <laughs> the best of us have sinned. All right? We sin with this thing. And so if we were to stand before judgment, we wouldn't be able to stand. That's the point. Okay. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. And then it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Okay? Really, the whole world is guilty. You, me, Tom, Dick, Harry, Harriet, everybody is guilty. But if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The only people who will escape this judgment are those whose names are written in the book of life. Because we're all guilty. None of us is good enough. But w when we put our faith in Jesus, and when we say, Jesus, like Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the one who died on the cross and was raised from the dead. You are the only God. There is none other. When we have that belief and trust, and when we follow him, 
a transaction takes place. We'll look at that. But what happens is we get new life. And your name is written in the book of life. Question to ask you this morning is, is your name written in the book of life? Think about it. Okay? Because it's clear that if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And I would say, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't say, oh, I'm young. You know, when I reach 75, 80, I'll think about it. Because we don't know. Last week, two guys died in a motorcycle accident. One of them was a very good friend of somebody from our church. And it was just tragic. You know, so, so we can't guarantee anything. All right. So, so the great question, the greatest question is this. Who is Jesus Christ? That question is very important. The answer to that question is very important. If this, you know, and maybe you're not quite sure yet, but, but that's okay for now, but seek the Lord. Say, Lord, make it clear to me. Come and speak to one of us. Continue to read the word because it's only by when God's revelation comes will you truly see the picture, all right? Let's move on. Number two, the greatest example. Okay, back to Matthew chapter 16 and... Uh, what did Jesus do? Once, once Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he goes on and says, yeah, I'm going to build my church. And then verse 21 onwards, Peter says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Now, that is the gospel message. Jesus was the greatest example ever. Okay, what did he do? He left the glory of heaven, where he was worshipped by thousands upon thousands of angels. Ten thousands times ten thousands. You know, heaven is something that we can't even imagine how beautiful it is. And he left that and came down to earth and, and can you imagine Jesus saying to the Father, Father, I'll come down to earth to save people, but uh, make sure when I'm born, I'm born in a palace. Okay, make sure that I've got the best midwives and doctors there, and I've got everything that I need. Jesus didn't say that. He was born in a humble manger. There was no place even at the inn. And, uh, and, and he, he, his example was the greatest. What did he do? He, he, suffer, he, he suffered. He explained. He said, I'm going to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, and then be killed. And so Jesus died on the cross. Okay? And what are some of the things that happened at the cross? Let's look at this. The first thing is that Jesus on the cross defeated Satan. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15, Hebrews 2 verse 15, it says this, that what did Jesus accomplish? Uh, we, we can look at verse 14 actually. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, Jesus became man, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, 
that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You know, the, the greatest fear we have is the fear of dying. And Jesus has taken away that fear of dying. You know, that death has been conquered. Hallelujah. And uh, the second thing Jesus did on the cross is he canceled, he, he paid the penalty for our sin and canceled our sin debt. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, it says here, having canceled the written, written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing the cross. Okay? And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Wow, isn't that amazing? That is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He defeated the evil one and he took away the debt. He, our sins were pay, paid for. Right? That's wonderful. All right. So the good news of what Jesus has done is this. Our sins are forgiven. Our enemy, Satan, is defeated. Okay? The third thing that he did on the cross is that all his righteousness, his good deeds have been credited to our account. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How many of you are weak in mathematics? Put your hands up. Weak in mathematics. Okay. You know, and imagine... The test is so bad, you get zero out of 100. All right? Now, th that's, that, that was our life. Because we were sinners, we've got zero. Actually, we got minus 500 out of 100. Okay? That's what it is. Because that's how it is. But, but Jesus, okay, he lived a perfect life. His marks are 100 upon 100. And so there's Jesus, 100 upon 100, I don't know, stars there and all that. And there's my report card, minus 3,000. Okay? And then this, this is what happens. That 100 upon 100 is given to me. How would you feel if, if, if that was given to you? Imagine, there's, you know, in every class there's one guy or two guys or girls who top the class, you know? That's it. They just get 100 out of 100 and you're struggling to understand the question. <laughs> you know? Now imagine if the teacher says, okay, Nawaz, you know, you've not done so well. Actually, you've not done anything. But uh, here is John. He's got 100 out of 100. I, on the report card, I'm going to give him your marks. How would you feel? Wow. Well, that, friends, is what has happened to us. We have failed, but Jesus' righteousness has been given to us. Okay? That's, that's such a great thing. Okay? And uh, so, so that's what Jesus did on the cross. The greatest example was this. He, now, how did he get that? By suffering and dying on the cross for us. And so when we come here to rejoice, you know, when we come here to worship Jesus, we come here with such gladness because I was a failure. But I've got 100 out of 100 because of Jesus. Wow, 
amazing. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, so we've looked at the great question. We've looked at the, the great example of Jesus. Okay? And then we look at the great commitment, number three. Now, Jesus has done his bit. He's come. He suffered. He died for us. He's raised again. He's ruling in heaven. And then he asks each one of us individually to make a commitment. It says here in verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In, uh, in Luke chapter 14, verse 25, he says the same thing. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Jesus is not impressed with crowds. Okay? These people may have seen the miracles. They may have eaten the fish that he created and the bread that he multiplied. They may have seen the blind receive sight and the lame walk. They may have heard his wonderful teaching and said, wow, wow, wow. Okay? They may have done all of that. But, uh, but he was not impressed with the crowd. This is what he said to them. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning the, to them, Jesus said, If anyone does not come to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, his, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And, it, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And so what Jesus is saying is that in comparison to our love for Jesus, our love for our father, mother, wife, brother, sister is nothing. He has to be first. Okay, he has to be first. And that's outworked in very practical ways. It's not, you know, it's not... Saying, yes, Jesus, you're first in my life. You know, I'll give you an example. Like today, uh, we have Sunit who leads the setup team, and he's unwell. Yeah, he's, uh, he's outbound. He, he, went, he went on a trip. Okay? But Sam has come here this morning with Ralphie to be part of the setup team at 8.30 in the morning. All right? And that's saying, yeah, you know, my husband is not here. But I'm following and serving Jesus. So, well done, Sam and Ralphie. Let's give them a hand. You see, that love for Jesus is not just something we can, sh we can just declare, just talk about it flippantly. You know, like somebody spoke about bumper stickers, which says, honk if you're a Christian. And I think somebody must have put it in India many years ago because everybody's honking. <laughs> honk if you are a Christian. But somebody said, don't put, you know, what does it cost to honk? Nothing. Ask any Indian. You know? Ta -da 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 -da. You know, I think sometimes they may make some cars that automatically honk as soon as you go close to a car. Anyway, honk if you are a Christian means nothing. So somebody said, don't put a sticker like that. Change the sticker. Make it. Tithe if you are a Christian. <laughs> Anyway, so, so, so really our commitment to Jesus is outworked in everyday life, all right? So what is this commitment? He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. 
What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Okay. So following Jesus is not just a question of saying, Jesus, I love you, I believe in you, and all that. John says, even the, oh, uh, James says, even the demons believe there is one God and they shudder. They're not going to heaven. Okay? But there's got to be a commitment where we're saying, Lord, I'm putting you first. And what, what does it mean to be a commitment? We covered that last week. Okay, the first thing is deny himself. Deny means we are not, we're refusing to associate with that person. That's what Peter did when Jesus was arrested. He says, Jesus, I don't know this person. And so we're saying, my needs, my ambitions, my things are secondary. I'm not, not there at all. It's what does Jesus want of me? In 1955, there was a man called Jim Elliott. Anybody heard of Jim Elliott? Just put your hand right up. I want to see how many of you have heard. Okay, a few of you. Okay. Jim Elliott was an American, and uh, he, you know, he had such a heart for the lost. And he and a group of five, four other men went to reach the Auka Indians in Ecuador. Okay, and these were Indians, uh, you know, we're not talking about these Indians, but these are those Indians there in Ecuador. And they were, they were very violent and dangerous. And, uh, but, they, but what did they do? Now, why did they leave a wonderful life in America to go to Ecuador of all places? And in Ecuador, not in any city, but in the jungles of Ecuador. Why would people do that? Okay, because they wanted to take the gospel to these people. Wow. And I want to encourage us, I think as, you know, uh, we don't know about these great heroes of the faith. And this is what they did. They made contact. They, you know, there's a lot, you can check it on YouTube. There's a lot of stories, of, I mean, accounts of this. They made contact with those Indians and they finally established a base camp and met with the Indians. And then a few days later, these three Indians went and a whole group of others came. And when they came, they killed all five of them, speared them to death. Imagine, okay? Jim Elliot was married and had a daughter as well. Okay? Now, a small baby. Okay. Their lives were just gone in a flash. And what does Jesus say here? He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Okay? In that death, yeah, I'm sure Jim Elliot and the others have great, a great welcome in heaven, a hero's welcome and great rewards. You know, you can build a house costing millions, but What's the reward in heaven? Okay. Now, what's further is that his wife, anybody knows his wife's name? Elizabeth Elliot. How do you cope with the fact that your husband has been murdered by some people? What do you do? In our, in our own country, we have Gladys Staines. Okay. This is what Elizabeth Elliot did after three years, or after a, few, a couple of years, she decided to move with her three-year-old daughter and live with those same 
Indians and reach out to them. And this time around, many of those were saved, including the one who had killed her husband. Isn't that amazing? And uh, I, I was listening to her uh, YouTube video on this. She was saying she was in the village. And uh, all she could hear was this guy praising Jesus. You know? And so if we are going to reach our nation of India, it will require this kind of commitment to say, I am willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Because like those Indians in Ecuador, our Indians don't know better. They don't know who Jesus They don't have the right answer to the great question. But in order to, to, to see the salvation of people, we'll need to see a great commitment from us where we are willing to say, you know, I'm willing to suffer shame, reproach, Insults, violence, even losing our lives for the sake of the gospel. Because we know that there is a great reward in store. And we are following the greatest example of our Savior. Jim Elliot said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he will never lose. And... Uh, and so, so, that's, so, so we have a great commitment to make, to say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to build your church. I'm willing to suffer for the gospel. Now, we've got to be wise about how we go about things, but we're saying that's our calling. That's why we have breath in our lungs and we are here on earth. All right, so we've seen the, great question, the greatest question, the greatest example the great commitment. And then we look at number four. The great community. or The greatest community. That's what it is actually. The greatest community. And what is the greatest community? It's the church. Jesus said, you are And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus came for his church. All right? Jesus came for his church, his bride. He gave himself up for the church. He died on the cross for the church. If you have made a commitment to Jesus and you are part of his church, that's the greatest privilege ever. You know, the other day we were at having breakfast at one of these clubs, residence, uh, Puna Club or something, and... Uh, with somebody whose father was a member. And he says, today, if you want to be a member, it's only 12 lakhs. <laughs> okay? And, and uh, so it costs lots. There are all these great gymkhanas and clubs and where it's very exclusive and uh, you have to have a lot of money to be part of those clubs. All right? And, and, and people throw it in conversation. You know, oh, I'm part of this gymkhana and that club and, and it's a status symbol. I tell you, friends, if you are part of the church of Jesus Christ, 
You are part of the greatest community ever. Jesus died for you. All these clubs and communities and countries will die away. Corporations will die away. You know, I, I knew a guy one day, he used to work for Enron. Anybody, well, I don't know if any of you heard. Enron was a huge company. And then overnight, it just shut down. Okay? So corporations, companies, countries, clubs will all pass away. But the church of Jesus Christ will go on forever. Amen. All right? And so it's a great privilege to be part of this church. And, and as I shared earlier, you know, it's a privilege. And, and, and being, you know, every club has a code of conduct. We are not a club, but a community where we're saying, how are we to live? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, of doing but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what we've got to do is say, Jesus has paid for this body with his precious blood. I've got to value the body. I've got to value our time together. So we're saying, you know, I've attended on Sunday, that's it. No, no, no. You know, you're saying, how can I spend more time with this body so we can grow in our faith, so that we can reach the world and be the light of the world? And so these things that we have, like being the, the, the online gym, is there to say, hey, how can I grow in the word so that I can be equipped to do more? You know, our time of uh, praying together is when we pray together. How can we change our nation? Okay, and one more thing I forgot to add at the announcements is the football match. All right? We're having a football match. And hey, you know, that's very spiritual because we are coming together as believers. That's it. And we will talk more about that at the end of it. But we want to be part of everything God's church is doing. Number five, and finally, we're going to look at the great return. Okay, the great return. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus says, For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. He's coming again. And, uh, and that is our great hope. You know, as we strive to live holy lives, as we strive to do good, as we strive to worship God and, and, and do that, you know, we are living with the hope that one day we will be with Jesus. Either we will meet Him or He will return. And uh, so we need to keep that in our minds, you know. And, and uh, in Matthew 24, verse 30 and 31, it says this, Matthew 24, 30 and 31. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Who will mourn? Those who have not put their faith in Him. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 to 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven 
with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Wow. That's our thing. And Thessalonians verse 18 goes on to say, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So when we go through suffering, when we go through pain, and we will go through those things. We encourage one another saying, there's a better day coming. One day, Jesus will return, or we will join him, and we will be with him forever. Romans 8.18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Right? So that's, so the focus of our life is this. Jesus is coming. His reward is with him. In Revelation 22 verse 12, he says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. And really, once we are saved, he calls us to do something. To give our lives in service to him. Because there's great reward in store for us. So as we bring this to an end this morning... We've got to examine our hearts and see, hey, what's my answer to the great question, who is Jesus? We need to meditate and focus on the great example of Christ and see how he suffered on our behalf. And so whenever we have to endure suffering, insults, violence, we've got to say, Lord, I look to you. Your grace is sufficient for me. And then, to daily ask ourselves, am I putting Christ first? Because that's the most important thing. And to value the great community, the church. To say, how can I grow in my relationship? You know, one of the things we encourage the church to do is give one meal to Jesus. Tell me, how many meals do you have every day? Some people say three, some people may have four, you know, some two, okay? Now, if you take an average of three, that's 21 meals in the week. And what we say is, one meal in the week, whichever day, preferably, maybe Sunday because we're all here, give it to Jesus. And what do we mean by this? Eat with somebody here in the church. Have a meal with them. Get to know them. Build your relationship with them, you know? Because that's how we are honoring the body. You have... The rest, 20 meals you can have with your family at home. But one meal a week, and we love, we enjoy just taking people home or taking them to a restaurant and getting to know them. But that's really putting this into practice and saying, I really love my brothers and sisters. And you want to spend time with those you love. Okay? So that's one of the ways of just having this community together. And finally, we keep our eyes on Jesus coming back. So one day he's coming back and he's going to reward. So let's just be faithful because we know that his reward is with him. Amen. Let's close our eyes this morning. And, uh, you know, and just between you and the Lord, say, 
What is the shift that you need to make in your heart? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. You can say, Jesus, I'm trusting in you. I believe you died on the cross. Or maybe you've, you've put your faith in Jesus, but you've ne- not really denied yourself and said, Jesus, I give you my life. You, you're still holding the RC book, and it's got your name on it, not Jesus' name, the RC book of your life. And so you're saying, Jesus, I want to give, surrender my life to you, my family, my everything. I want to live for you. Maybe that's the shift you need to make. Or maybe your shift is the church. You, you just, you're an attender right now. But you're saying, I want to be part of this family that Jesus died for. I want to love my brothers and sisters and grow with them in the faith. And so you may need to take steps to do that. Okay. Or maybe you're caught up with the things of the world but you're, or you're suffering. And as you look to Jesus' return, you say, Lord, I thank you, you're coming back. My suffering will end. Seeing the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So just pick one, two, maybe all five of those things, you know, and and I'll pray. Father, I thank you. Uh, Before I pray, I'm saying, if you've picked any of those things, you know, give you 30 seconds to pick. Yeah. And pray with me. Father, I thank you that uh, you sent Jesus to die for us, Lord. Thank you that one day you will return, Lord Jesus. Your reward is with you. And you've called us to live for you and you've set a wonderful example for us. Lord, I pray for whatever commitment people have made in their hearts this morning, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit and pour out your grace that we will be able to live that commitment, Lord. Build your church, Lord. We pray your blessing, your favor upon each one here. Lord, help us to bring glory to you, Lord, to live for you because you died for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.